Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Well, hi, everybody. Great to see you, and uh, we apologize for being a little bit late. Uh, we came all the way from Toronto today and through the bridge at Sarnia and everything, but it's, it's great to be here, and we're looking forward to uh, a real fruitful and productive and fun weekend together. And uh, I recognize a lot of faces here. Some are, are, are new. And uh, so for Gwen and myself, we want to uh, get to know as many of you as possible over this weekend. Honey, why don't you just come up and uh, say hello, a quick three-minute. This is the better half here. This is Gwendolyn. Hello, it's great to be here. I think we're trying to remember the last time I was here. It's been a while since I've been to Kalamazoo. The building looks gorgeous. It's beautiful, Cameron. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But thank you all all for coming out. It's wonderful that you're here. And let's just, you know, relax as leaders. Just let everything go. You know, life will still go on without you. And just set, set all the responsibilities aside, even as parents, just set it all aside tonight and tomorrow. You know, I shared in our May conference how David, when he was on the run, when Absalom, you know, went after him and took over the kingdom, and David was on the run, and that one man was across the, the way cursing him and throwing stones, and David made a decision in the midst of all that chaos to stop him and his people, and refresh themselves. So stop and refresh yourselves this evening and tomorrow, and God will take care of everything else. And just enjoy him in his presence. That was really good, dear. Well done. Um, just for those who don't know us, I should probably just uh, give a little background about ourselves to introduce Gwen and, and myself. We are, um, our testimony is that we were, um, Raised in very conservative evangelical churches. Uh, I'm, I'm a Baptist by background, and we were actually fundamental Baptist by background. Uh, I was, I'm Canadian, but I was raised in the States. And our journey started really when we were in Fort Erie, Ontario, uh, near Niagara Falls, Ontario. And we were, at 25 years old, put into a pastorate of a very, of a church of about 50 people. And after being there about six weeks, we figured we didn't want to do this anymore. This was not going to be a fun career, quote-unquote career. It was a, a little dead church. At, at, at five minutes to 11, there, there was no one there except for me and Gwen. People came in at 1 to 11, and then basically at 5 after 12, the place was empty again. And, and that was it. And then most of them sat at the back, and we thought, huh. There's got to be more to church than this. We were just out of Bible school, uh, four years of, of Bible training. We were ready to set the world on fire. And, uh, you know, we had manifestations at our church before the Toronto Blessing. But they were like... <laughs> there were manifestations going on. 
And in the, in the, uh, at 5 to 12, we would have the left arm manifestation. You know, people would just start twitching like that with their <laughs> looking at. And, and if it was 12 o'clock and I had not said my final amen, then the, el the elders really had manifestations. They, they, they crossed their arms just like Cameron is doing right now and started slouching in their chairs, pointing, manifestation. That's exactly what we had. And so Gwen and I thought through this, you know, at, a few months into this, being 25 years old and seriously kind of dedicating ourselves to this career, and we were wondering, well, how, how is this going to work for us? Because this doesn't seem fun. And uh, so we had a choice, literally, either to quit or to um, start crying out to God. And we started crying out to God for, for late into the night, asking the Lord for more. And uh, we had been introduced to a guy by the name of John Wimber by, uh, by, by tapes and articles. And at the time, he was the, the head of the Vineyard Movement. And so we started ordering John Wimber tapes. And I started preaching John Wimber stuff. And it didn't happen, but it, it didn't happen in our church. But the more I, I spoke on that, the more kind of faith came into me. And then about nine months into our, our time there, I was, I was preaching through the book of James. And by this time, things had really become strained between me as the pastor and the congregation, because it was there, it just was not going together. And and I was preaching out of the book of James, and at the end of James, it said, uh, you know, about healing. Now our church had never had never believed in healing. We were part of a denomination that was sensationalist, not sensational. Trust me, there was nothing sensational about our church. It was cessational. So everything had ceased, passed away, gone. And, and so we uh, really didn't believe in healing. But at the end of James chapter 5, it says, If any man is sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray for them in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will raise him up. And so just out of spite to the congregation, I, I, I preached that, that message. And at the end of it, I said, Okay, from now on in our church, if anyone is ill, they're going to call the elders of the church. We're going to come over and pray for you. Now, I didn't think that anybody at all would believe that. But there was a young mother in our congregation who came up to me afterwards and, and said, my little girl is sick. She has a stomach problem. There's certain things she can't eat. Would you come over and pray for her on Tuesday night? And my, my thought was, someone actually believes this. And I said, of course I will. But in my heart, I had no faith. So I went to the elders and I said, we got to go over to so-and-so's house on Tuesday and pray for their daughter. And they were quite upset from, at me because I think I ruined their bingo night. But we, we, uh, we went over, we met at the church. We didn't know what kind of oil to use. 530, 1040, diesel, sunflower, mazola, butter, whatever. And, and had no idea, because none of us had ever done this before. And in fact, you weren't allowed to do it in our denomination. So somewhere we found some oil. Somewhere we, uh, uh, we got, got a little bit of faith. And we went over and we sat down with the folks, drank some tea, talk, tea, talk. A lot, a lot of, we're Canadian, so we drank a lot of tea. 
And then as a pastor, I thought somebody really should do something about this. And then I remembered I was the pastor. Okay, I got to bring her out. So we brought her out and we, she had a stomach issue. So what do you do with the oil? Doesn't that make sense to ask her to drink it? I mean, wouldn't that be logical? Just, anyway, we didn't do that. But I thought about it because we had never done it before. So we, 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 we dabbed her a little bit, some everywhere, prayed. Absolutely nothing happened except I felt the elders' eyes like swords coming at me. And then we sat down, drank more tea. I ran home thinking to myself, I'll never do this again. That was the most embarrassing thing. The next Sunday morning, we're going through our menu, three hymns, the announcements, offering. I start preaching. People fall asleep. I wake them up. Finally, amen. We go home. But during the announcements, the uh, mother stood up and said, Pastor Dan, can I share something? And uh, everybody was in awe. Someone had broken the order of the service after 75 years. And, and uh, she started crying. The mom started crying and saying, uh, thank you for coming over and praying. My little girl is, is, is healed. She can eat anything. And... Uh, Outwardly, I said, well, of course she can. Who's next? Inwardly, I thought, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> so, so that started a little revival in our church. When I say little people started coming, and, and especially young people started coming, and parents would bring their young people to us, that was back in the days of Dungeons and Dragons. And, and they, the, the kids were playing Dungeons and Dragons, and they needed deliverance. And so Gwen and I spent a lot of our evenings going through deliverance with our, our, our youth group, our Christian youth group. And this was all new. And so we started really pressing into the Lord. There's got to be, this, what, what is all this? And we got every $5 I got, I would... I would ask Gwen's permission, can I order another tape, please? And, and we would order another John Wimber tape, and uh, then, then uh, I started sharing those John Wimber tapes with the other Baptist pastor just one block down the street from me in town. His name was Paul White, and uh, John knows his story. So, so as, as time went on, as a Baptist, we were really pressing in, but knowing that we were kind of extending beyond our boundaries. How many have boundaries? We all have denominational, personality, temperament, doctrinal boundaries that we think, you know, i got to stay within these boundaries. And we knew that we were arriba, going beyond our boundaries. As it went on, I was in my mother-in-law's house in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, just up here a little bit, 
And the Holy Spirit came into my mother-in-law's house, and I started speaking in tongues for three hours in my mother-in-law's house. We will not have any more comment on that right now. God bless her. We love her. She's in heaven. Everything's okay. And, um, and, uh, and so I came back to the church after that experience thinking, okay, healing is one thing, but tons. Now what are we going to do? And so I thought, okay, as a wise, gentle shepherd, how do I take the sheep into the pasture to feed them this wonderful new truth of speaking in tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a wise, gentle way so as not to cause a split, but to bring everybody into the unity of the Holy Spirit. But at 26 years old, I just got up one day and blurted, we all need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And half the church at the end of that meeting went to that corner, and the other half the church went to that corner, and we can see what was going to happen. And uh, so, anyways, we were on the journey, and it was a journey of presence. And when we, when we uh, as we continued on the journey, I realized one of the things that I had to do in my conscience is to go back and, and confess to those friends that I had talked out of speaking in tongues. I had talked out of healing because my, my two favorite hobbies were golf and talking Pentecostals out of speaking in tongues. And, and I actually did that. And so I started making my way back around my friends and confessing the Holy Spirit is real. This is real. We all need this. And, and uh, I brought my friend Todd to my office one Saturday night. And uh, I was talking to him, and I said, Todd, forgive me. The, you know, the Lord is real. I speak in tongues now, and you used to speak in tongues. And forgive me for talking you out of that. And, and I literally had done that. And while we were talking about the Holy Spirit, both of us started going, hee, hee, hee. We thought, what's... And then we, ha, 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 arriba, and then it turned into, it turned into ho, 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 and it went on and on, arriba, it's okay, folks, everything's fine. Until we were on the floor, absolutely roaring in laughter. This was, this was November of 1984. This is November of 1984. Bob Jones had just given the prophecy uh, that year about, in 1984, that the wine was going to be released in 10 years speaking of Toronto, but this was in November of 1984 that we were, li we were literally rolling on the floor in absolute laughter. And uh, we, 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 we got up, ah, from that. And uh, my friend Todd looked at me and said, what was that? And I said, I have no idea, but it sure felt good. And what we did not know is on the Saturday night, 
one of the elders, the, el the elders who was, was in the sanctuary, just, you know, through the door, cleaning up for the Sunday morning. And so he heard all of this and phoned the denomination headquarters. And, and two weeks later, uh, they came down, kicked me out, gave me six weeks' pay and, and a pizza. And that was it. Literally, they gave me six weeks' pay and, and took me out for pizza. So that was very nice of them. But since that time, that for, for Gwen and I, that, that started a journey where we just started seeking out the, the things of the presence of God. And, and later on, uh, you know, fast forwarding in the late 80s, you know, John uh, and Carol were now in the vineyard and they were the Ontario coordinator, re, uh, regional coordinators there. And we started connecting with some of the events that they were doing uh, when they would bring vineyard guys in and even some of the, their own events. And uh, we just started to go on a, on a journey of the presence of God. And uh, we, had the, we, we then committed ourselves to go to Ukraine. Uh, in May of 1994, we were kind of gearing towards going to Ukraine as missionaries in, in May of 1994. But in January of 1994, I was on the phone with John. And John was saying, well, you know, Dan, there's this, there's this guy, Randy Clark, who, who um, has had this outbreak of the Holy Spirit in his church in St. Louis, especially among his children. And he's going to come up for three days. And so why don't you come on up? And so <clears throat> I, I, I drove through a snowstorm on January the 20th of this, a Thursday night, Thursday night on January the 20th, cold. And, and uh, all we can just say is that the Lord fell. And what is now called the Toronto Blessing started that night. And it was, it was wonderful, and it is wonderful, and it is glorious. And, and for us, it, it started a journey of, of, of walking in the presence and valuing the presence and also valuing the, uh, the, the, the realities of, I guess, how the presence comes. How the presence comes. And as far as Partners in Harvest is, Arriba, this is what we've just got to admit, I guess. Partners in Harvest is a group of churches, a group of leaders that have had encounters with the Holy Spirit to one measure or another and have decided that they need other strange people to hang around who are as strange as them. <laughs> isn't that, Mike, isn't that about it around there? It's not exactly that, but... Uh, we're a unique family because the Lord has given us a, 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 man, a, a mandate and a stewardship. And, and a lot of that mandate can be found actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Let me just read you this, this, this passage. And it's just, this is just to remind ourselves uh, of who we are for those who are partners here already but also for those who are just kind of interested in finding out who we are. In verse 1 it says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. 
Now, what happened in Toronto still to many, many people in the world is a mystery. Why does God do that kind of thing? Why does God make people shake? Why does God make people twirl? Now, on Sunday morning, uh, Patricia Bootsma shared at our church in Toronto. And she, and she, you know, she came to, she was sharing about her first time she came to the church. Arriba, during the revival. It was 10 days into the revival after it started. And she got in, and the Lord started connecting with her, but she started twirling around. And, like, why would she, as a Reformed background girl, go into a church and just start twirling around? And, and then the Lord showed her later because he was unwrapping things from her. Things that had to be unwrapped from her life. Arriba. Now, why does God have to do that physically and demonstrate it? Well, he can do it because he's God. And it's a mystery to the church. It's a mystery to the body of Christ. And one of the things that partners has been asked from the Lord is to steward these mysteries around the world. Arriba. Because he still comes and the presence ebbs and flows. And we love every time he comes. And we love how he comes. And we figure he's God so he can come any way he wants. Sha-ra-ba. So we love it. And it's a humbling thing. And we had already mentioned here Bob Jones, who had this prophecy in 84, and he prophesied that the wine will be released in, 1980, in, in 19, 10 years on, in 1994. But one of the main purposes for the wine to be released was to bring humility to the leaders of the church and to break the spirit of careerism and professionalism in the leaders of the body of Christ. Because trust me, your career will be online. If you are twirling around when you're supposed to be preaching, your career will, might, might, might get on, on the line there. You know, arriba. It's okay. Everything's fine. So, um, so that's one of the, the purposes of partners is that we, we love the presence. We say yes to the presence, however he comes, and we realize that we as a, as, as a, especially as leaders, we need to be constantly filled over and over again. Ephesians 5.18, as you're good leaders, you already know this, is the continuous present tense. It doesn't say be filled one time with the Holy Spirit. It, it says be constantly, continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. All the time be filled with the Holy Spirit. And John is going to talk about that tonight. But besides that, um, we also have our, our fire values, our fundamental fire values, which are F, Father Heart of God, I, intimacy through hearing God's voice, R, the restoration of the heart that is inner healing, and then E, equipping the saints with the anointing and signs and wonders. And uh, so we, we hold to those fire values and the thing that holds us together as a group of churches is a good, quality, charismatic, evangelical statement of faith, but also our fire values. 
And, and valuing the presence is what holds us together. And so we're a movement of local churches. And, uh, but besides being local churches, we're about 350 local churches in the Western world. Besides being local churches, we, are all, we love the nations. We want to take this glory, we want to take the presence of God to the nations of the world. The theme song for, uh, in the early days of revival, that we sang over and over again those first months, was let your glory fall in this room. Let it go forth from here to the nations. And so we, we as, a, as, as, a, as a team, a leadership team, and, and it's also down into our local churches, we have a high value for going to the nations and for sowing into the nations and for bringing these um, truths and this, this presence into the nations. Uh, we have a group in Turkey right, right now experiencing a lot of pressure because of the coup. Uh, we're in Turkey. Gwen and I just spent three and a half weeks in Ukraine. We visited uh, 11 of our cities in Ukraine. We were down by the war zone uh, where Russia and Ukraine are fighting it out right now in, a, in an increasingly hot battle, actually. And we have churches right in that war zone, right smack on the Russian border, that have been taken over by Russian militants. And they're drunk, and they, they've destroyed everything. They haven't rebuilt anything. And, uh, you know, our churches are really experiencing a challenge there. We're in Myanmar. We're in Philippines. We're in, in, we have missionaries in Thailand. And uh, we, we're actually in about 40 different nations of the world, in Australia and New Zealand and most of the Western European nations. And so we love taking these values to, to the nations. And we... We believe that God wants to, to take this to the, uh, to, the, to, the, to the lost of the world. I, I see that Mike Rogers is here. And Mike, I'm just going to ask you to come up, if you would, please. Uh, Mike is our Southeast Regional Coordinator. And uh, you probably hear more from him this weekend. But just, just take you know, a few minutes, three to five minutes, Mike, and just share you know, your experience in the river, even how your church started because I love your story of how your church started, and then just what the river has meant to you with, uh, with this, and, and you personally and then in your local church. Thank you. Don't you love being put on the spot, guys? Yeah. Really? I'm an expert at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, our church started on a Monday night football game. <laughs> it was halftime, and uh, it was, we knew by halftime, who was going to win? It was just a bunch of guys coming over to the house. And I, so we got to halftime. I said, guys, we should pray because the game stinks. So we should pray. <laughs> and um, when we started to pray, wow, God, like an elephant, came into the room. And everyone just fell off the couches of the chair. And I, I was just on the ground. <gasps> Just, I couldn't get breath. The, the, it was so heavy, the weightiness. And the, for like an hour and a half, he rested upon us. Then he just lifted, and there wasn't a great revelation about it. I just know this was really different. So the next Monday night, we got together. I said, uh, you want to watch the game? Everyone said, no. <laughs> so we just said, Lord, will you come again? And Whomp! again it happened and I mean to where I didn't know if I was going to live honestly it was so intense uh, 
And so we had this men's Monday night encounter night. And guys would drive from Charlotte, North Carolina to New Bern, which is five hours, to drive to lay on our floor for three to four hours. You know, we'd be up to like one in the morning. Then they would drive back to the five hours. And guys, when the presence of God is there, people are, it's, it's what the world needs. And uh, so it, the church was birthed from that revival presence. That's our DNA. It's who we are. Uh, when I went to Toronto the first time, you know, I thought I was open. I really thought I was, I thought I'd gotten rid of all the junk. I, I really did. <laughs> I, until I got to that place. And uh, it's, I, I, I encountered the Father's love in the lunch line at the cafeteria. I'll never forget, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to process all this, and the lunch lady, we had these tickets, and she punched your lunch card. And I got up to her, and I just froze. And she goes, I need to punch your ticket. And I just fell backwards and started crying. <laughs> uh, God encountered me on the floor of the cafeteria Toronto, all the wounds of me and my dad, you know, teenage years, all that stuff melted away. And uh, just totally healed me on the floor. And I'll, I'll never forget, she leans over, because I was feeling bad because I was holding up the lunch line, right? I mean, you're having this encounter with God, but you're really jamming the works up here. And I'll never forget, she leans over and she goes, that's okay, honey. It happens to a lot of people around here. <laughs> So, uh, however open you think you are, you're not there yet. And God wants to pry you open like a can opener this weekend. <laughs> I just really feel that uh, there's, there's a new hunger coming upon the earth right now. There's a, you're going to go back, you're going to see a new hunger in your churches. I can feel it stirring, and he just wants you to be totally open to say yes to whatever he wants to do, because he's a good daddy, and anything that comes from daddy is good, even if you don't understand it. So, Lord, we just want corporately, and we just agree corporately, God, whoa, Lord, just come upon us more. God, don't let anything block what you want to do. Lord, remove all my preconceived notions on how you should move. Lord, I want it all. Tell him, I want it all. Oh, you just prayed a really, really dangerous prayer. I want it all. Come on. <laughs> ah. And it's for you. It's for you. You got it. It's for me. I want it all. Yes, God. You know, and I just really feel, too, there's a wisdom that's going to come from this weekend. Um, John, um, I, I just 
that God would entrust him to father this. And I can I remember when I was, I, I would watch John. And this is what the Lord told me one time. He says, you do not lead a move of God, you father it. And John's such a perfect example of just being a dad in the kingdom. And just allowing people to experience God. You don't put the restrictions. You don't put the religious rules down. And you create a place of encounter. So, Lord, let each of our churches, each of our ministries be a place of encounter. More, Lord. God, me, more, more. Whoa. (laughs) Just pray, Lord. You know, I've been really stirred this past week about Jonathan Edwards' encounter. Did you ever read his encounter? Jonathan Edwards was the person that led the Second Great Awakening, and he had a law practice in New York, so he was a professional attorney. And he started praying one hour in a day in a patch of woods. There were four trees that had fallen to create a little box, and there was an indentation. So he could get down in there and scream and holler, and no one would hear him. So he started doing one hour a day, and then he got up to where he was doing eight hours a day, and he had lost all of his clients. And he describes the time God came upon him. It was like liquid fire passing through my body. Just waves of fire falling, going through my body. And he got up from that place and led the second great awakening. Lord, help us encounter you that way this weekend. Thank you, God. Well, that's it right there. Okay, you know, guys, I mean, I'm supposed to talk about partners. Partners is a network. If you're interested in it more, come and talk to Cameron, John, or myself. But I absolutely agree. We are leaders in the body of Christ here. And what I feel is going to happen is that all of us are going to participate in releasing the anointing to each other this weekend. John and I are going to share. But I I just see that the Lord is going to be very spontaneous in, in prophecy in ministry and just filling us up through each other uh, this, this, this weekend. So, Lord, do it. Arriba. Do it, do it, do it, Lord. Phil, we don't need more talk about administration or organization or even networks. We need you, Lord Jesus. We need you to stand in our midst as the apostle and the prophet and the evangelist and the pastor and the teacher. Lord, in our weaknesses, Lord, we've gathered together to your strength. You are the strong one. In our midst, Lord. So you've gathered together those who you wish to be here, Lord. Arriba. So just minister, Lord. Pour oil, even right now. Pour oil. 
upon your precious leaders. Sharaba. Boom, boom. So as I understand it, we're going to need a little bit of energy called supper that we're supposed to be getting right now. Is that right? 6.30. And then we're going to come back here at 7.30. And we're going to see what the Lord does among us to meet him. Because we're here to meet the Lord. Amen.